Well, this is a lot more people than I expected, so this is going to be fun. How are y'all doing? Good? Yeah, night two of Gold Rush, y'all. A few months ago when I found out that I was going to be doing this, I was like, Tuesday night will be so far away. And then I woke up this morning and was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I have to get up in front of a bunch of people and it's going to be Great. Can we just take a second and acknowledge those videos? They are so good, y'all. I got to see this one um, just today. I had no idea what it was going to be. And Audrey Sylvester killing it all the time with artistic things. So (laughs) I thought I would introduce myself a little bit so I'm not just some random blonde girl up in front of you talking about herself. So uh, my name is Reagan Pfeiffer, if you didn't already hear that. (laughs) Love y'all. Um, I am 18 years old. I just graduated from Johns Creek High School. We're right next to the movies, right over there, repping glads. Um, I am currently working at the place to be this summer, Camp All American. I don't know if any of y'all are in here. Hey, um, and I will be attending Barry College in the fall. Go Vikings! The like five of you that know where that is. Hey, <laughs> awesome. Um, So I thought I'd show you all a picture of my wonderful family. Look at us. We're so cute. So (laughs) that is Tyler and Chase, myself, Griffin, and Grace in numerical order. Um, How many of y'all went to Beaver Ridge for your project today? Or Bradford Gwinnett Apartments? Anyone? Anyone at all? If you went there, thank you, sir. If you went there, those are my little siblings. I hope they did a good job. That is their one job, and they couldn't have messed it up, I'm sure. (laughs) Another thing, people that weren't pictured in that were my lovely parents. Tonight is their 25th anniversary. Isn't that incredible, y'all? Hey, I see y'all. Y'all want to stand up for me for a second? Look at them. Stand up. Come on. Yeah, do it. Do it. I'm not going to keep talking until you stand up. Stand up. There you go. Look at them. Oh, PG, y'all. PG. There are children here. Gosh, y'all. Mm, sorry for that. I'm going to apologize on behalf of my family. <laughs> so if y'all could join me in a word of prayer before we get all serious. But I'm going to do something interesting that a lot of y'all probably haven't done before. My little freshmen know this. When I pray, I waffle. Who knows what waffling is? Anyone? Yeah? Waffling? So this is a pancake. This is a waffle, also known as interdigitation. I'm not going to force you to do it. I can't force you to do it. But like Emily said, perfect community. We're going to make that tonight when we pray. So the person to the left of you, the person to your right of you, you might not know them. You're about to. Waffle with them while we pray. Uh-huh, it's awkward. I know it is. Y'all are the best. All right, y'all, really quick, because we got to go. Got stuff to say. Jesus to talk about. All right, y'all, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, God, it is Tuesday already, and I cannot believe it. God, I pray that this night you would calm my nerves. God, you're already working in me, and I can feel the calm coming over me, God. I pray that your words would come through me, God. When I speak, I make noise, but when you speak, you breathe life. And I pray that life would be spoken tonight, God, and not just noise from my mouth. Um, But if that does happen, I pray that you would let it go in one ear and out of the other ear, God, and that it would not um, keep hold within people's minds, but that only your truth would remain 
Um, God, and I pray for small groups tonight that there would be vulnerable hearts and that you would open hearts even now and open ears to focus and to hear your truth. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Y'all, I haven't even started yet. Y'all need to calm down. All right. So let's get into business. Last night, Emily talked to y'all about how God created everything, and he created it perfect, and he created it good. And we were made to be in perfect community with perfect rest, with perfect creativity. But obviously, like she said, it is not like that anymore, and we see that in our daily lives. So the question now is, what happened? And why can we not get back to the perfection that we once had, right? If we were created with it, why are we so far from it? Far from it. Words are hard. And why does all of our efforts to get back to it always fail? So speaking of perfection, I have a little experience in this, not in a good way. Um, (laughs) If my life was a book, it would be titled The Quest for Perfection. Um, And so this all kind of was encapsulated within my freshman and sophomore year of high school. Um, I do sports. I do sport sometimes. Um, My sport of choice is track. Um, track kids, repping track kids. So let's go all the way back to freshman year Reagan. She was about five foot five and a hundred pounds. I know. Who did she turn into? No one knows. Um, and she was so aerodynamic, like five foot five, a hundred pounds. I literally flew around the track like a little bird. Like it was unbelievable. Super long legs, whatever. My first freshman season, um, my very first meet, I lettered in four events, Um, I was on both A relays on varsity squad, and then my second meet, I broke the pole vault record on my first jump. So it's needless to say, as a girl runner, as a freshman, I was pretty impressive. So sophomore year comes around, right? And I am so excited. I have college in mind and college recruitment like some of y'all might have now, and my mind is going straight to conditioning. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to build myself and train hard and get to a point where colleges are going to want me and where I'm going to be super successful in this sport. So all of sophomore season, I'm training, right? I'm running and running and running, and we get to spring break. Um, And my coach comes up to me and says, you know, Reagan, I want you to run hurdles. And uh, I don't know if y'all have seen hurdles. (laughs) They're just a little scary, just a little bit. And I had done them in middle school. Did not end well. But being the runner I was, I looked at my coach and said, okay, I'll do that. So all of spring break, this was my spring break. Instead of having a staycation or going to the beach, I had an hour of pole vault practice, followed by an hour hour of hurdle practice, (laughs) followed by an hour of sprinting practice, back to back to back, five days a week in the hot summer sun. And any athlete in here that hears that knows it's not a good mix. It's not going to come out good. So by the end of spring break, I had this little pain in my right shin. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to get injured. This isn't going to happen. I'm going to keep running. We had our region meet, um, fairly soon after, um, spring break. Um, but it got worse and worse and worse. And eventually I went to the doctor and he looked at me and we got a car, we got a phone call on the car ride home. And I cried so hard because the doctor told me that I was out for three months in a plastic boot, unable to do anything. So this picture of myself that I created, this goal that I had of being successful and being the best on the team and having the team rely on me came crashing down 
all in the form of a plastic boot. So I still had this idea, right, that maybe I can't run, but, you know, my team, maybe they'll just, like, crash down without me, right? I'm such an influential runner on the team, and, I mean, I basically make up the team. This is sophomore Reagan talking. Um, (laughs) You know, maybe if I don't run, that the team will be like, oh, dang it, Reagan, like, we needed you. You were our team. So region comes around, and I'm sitting on the pole vault mat, and my four-by-one team takes off. And, you know, the girl who replaced me was good. I mean, she was a good runner. Um, so they finish, right, and they look at the time. And the four-year standing record they broke on the one race I wasn't running in. So I'm sitting there on the pole vault mat, and it stung a little bit, right? Any athlete knows that when your team is successful without you, and, you know, that was my goal was to break that record, and the one time – I'm not running. They do it. So I was like, you know, it's okay. I still have my 4 by 4 team, 4 by 400 meters. You know, maybe they, as bad of a teammate as it sounds, maybe they won't do well. And then I'll feel like I have a place, right? So I'm sitting on the pole vault mat, and I have a boot on my leg, and I'm watching my 4 by 4 team run. And the first girl goes, PRs. The second girl goes, PRs. And at this point in my mind, I'm thinking, what is happening? Like, what, of all the meets for this to happen, why this meet? And so the third and fourth girl run, and they wind up winning the region, breaking the school record, and eventually qualifying for state. And my world that I'd built up around track came crashing down all around this stupid boot that was on my leg. That all of these things that I had set up with being successful and being needed on this team obviously weren't true because the team was successful and made it to state without me. And, you know, I thought it just couldn't get any worse. You know, what I was thinking in my head was, God, why would you do this? Like, of all the people in the world that you would take something away from, why me? Like, I'm a pretty good person. I go to church on Sundays. I pray over my dinner. Like, God, what the heck? You see, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) You see, there was a problem that I wasn't looking for, so I couldn't find. The problem was that God had gifted me with an ability to run and an ability to compete. And instead of using that to bring glory to him, I reflected it right back to me. And I don't know if y'all know a lot about God, but God is not one to compete for glory. (laughs) Um, So when I understood this, that God had taken it away from me because who else would have, instead of being like, okay, God, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I get what you're doing. I'll be repentant, whatever. My competitive spirit came out and I basically went, okay, God, see what you're doing. You know what? I'm a, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just not going to run anymore. If you want to take it away, then I'll take it away completely. But you know, I'm going to move on to the next thing that'll bring me glory because I doubt you can take away that. I was wrong. Uh, (laughs) So the next thing I moved on to was a boy. Isn't it always a boy, right? I mean, yeah, I know. So he was two years older than me. He was a senior. I was a sophomore. I know. Um, (laughs) And needless to say, I went to my parents. (laughs) They're going to laugh at this because it's so true. And in the middle of a conversation in their bedroom, being the good Christian girl I was, I worded this very carefully because I knew I had to ask permission to date him. 
So in the middle of conversation, just nonchalantly throwing it out there, I went, Mom, Dad, I would like to pursue a relationship with, let's call him Tim. Okay, his name wasn't Tim, but we're going to call him Tim. So I would like to pursue a relationship with Tim. And I, y'all, God spoke through my parents in a way that like straight daggers, they just chuckle a little bit like parents do, you know, like the, (laughs) no. (laughs) And I, little sophomore Reagan, her world was crushed. I was losing the validation that I was pretty enough and funny enough and smart enough and athletic enough that someone would like me and pick me out of all the girls at Johns Creek High School and I lost that. So summer goes by, he goes to college, and I, you know, the score was God two, Reagan zero. I mean, just a little fun fact about God. Y'all, God doesn't lose. Found that out the hard way. (laughs) I moved on to the next thing, right? And this is my group of friends. And I held on to my group of friends, relying on them for literally everything. Like, you know that friend that's so needy? That was me. (laughs) And I pushed them away like no other. And their lives went one way and my life went another. And by the beginning of junior year, I was alone again. So again, still not learning my lesson. You would think I can just see God in heaven looking down on me and going, really, Reagan? I mean, how much more do I have to take from you? Like you would think that I would learn my lesson, but I didn't. And I moved on to the next thing, which was academics. And it was the last thing I had going for me all. It was the last thing that I could possibly get glory from. So I put so much pressure on myself to the point where I developed a small form of anxiety, to the point where I couldn't function in a classroom when a vocab homework grade pop quiz came up. Like, y'all, I broke down crying in class over three words and had to go home. Like, that's how bad it got that I couldn't even function. And I know y'all saw the tower over there last night, right? And it was perfect and it was symmetrical and it had lovely things in it. But here's what I did. I took things like humility and patience and love and kindness and I replaced them with things like pride and envy and anger and anxiety and selfishness. To make this a little clearer, I know that was a really long story and I'm sure you're tired of it. I am too. Um, (laughs) Like I said, I work at Camp All American. Last week, I was with 11 and 12-year-olds in art specialty. So, anyone familiar with watercolor? Yes? Yeah? Perimeter kids, I know you are. So, basically what happens, if you, you dip your paintbrush in water and then dip it in color and paint, right? So, we were painting cupcakes. This was mine. Observe. 12-year-old art at its finest. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, mine was... Cinderella, uh, Rapunzel themed. So the little girl across from me who had no idea what to do decided to make her Cinderella themed. I mean, modeled after the best, I know. <laughs> so she's painting her Cinderella, right? She's painting the skin. And she adds a little bit too much water so some blue gets on her Cinderella, right? So her skin is kind of tinted blue. And instead of just waiting for it to dry and then painting over it, she kind of worried. And so she decided to add more paint and more water and more paint and more water and more paint and more water till her Cinderella turned into an unidentifiable brown blob of paint and water and who knows what else. 
And y'all, that's what I did. (laughs) Instead of waiting for the paint to dry and letting God deal with things, I decided to add more paint and add more water and move on to another thing and another thing and another thing until eventually my life looked like that brown, watery thing that was nothing like it was intended to be. So why tell you all this? I mean, that was a lot. I'm terribly sorry. (laughs) Why am I telling y'all this terrible time in my life that was so hard for me and then talking about camp for no reason? Y'all, I don't know if y'all picked up on this, but every single person in this room does that. I don't care how good you are, how good you think you are. Every person in this room does that to some extent. You know, we look to God and we say, you know, I get what you're doing, God. Like, I get you have a plan for me, but, you know, I think my way is just a little, I mean, I know you know me and everything, but I think I know me, and it's just a little bit better. So just let me take this one thing and let me change it to fit what I think it should be. And, you know, someone in my favorite movie ever also did this. So let's dive on into this clip. It's a pun, you'll see. (laughs) Um, And see what he did. He touched the butt. I know, right? That is one of my all-time favorite scenes. But y'all, I love Nemo. But Nemo did what I did. He looked at his father and said, you know, I know that you know I can't swim well. And I know that you probably know what's best. But to prove a point, and because I think this is what's best for me, I'm going to touch the butt. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you middle schoolers, what are y'all doing? Um, <laughs> y'all, y'all. You know what I didn't show you, if I had played that for a few more minutes, I wish I could play the whole movie, was the consequence of Nemo's actions. And if y'all have ever seen the movie, you know that right after that scene, a diver comes and takes Nemo away from his home and takes him away from his dad and puts him in a place that he's not comfortable with and a place he's never been to. So, (laughs) you know, Jesus, here comes the Jesus part. Y'all ready? (laughs) Jesus tells a story very, very similar to this. Um, So I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of words. Um, but the text is Luke 15, 11 through 31. So small group leaders, if you want to read that in your small group or if you want to read it on your own, you are more than welcome to. But anyways, here's what Jesus said. So there were two brothers. We're getting to that. (laughs) There were two brothers, a younger brother and an older brother. And so I'm going to talk about the younger brother first. Um, Jesus says that the younger brother went up to his dad and said, I want all my inheritance and I'm going to leave. So in modern day terms, basically what he did is he went up to his dad and said, you know, life would be better for me if you were dead. So if you could give me all the money that you saved for me for when you do die to take care of me, just give it to me now because I'm going to leave because you don't, I don't need you anymore is basically what he was saying. So after his dad gave him the money, right, he traveled to a very far away land and he partied. Y'all, I mean, he partied hard. Like, he had the best food, the best friends, the best women, the best locations. I mean, he, like, raved. Like, straight raved. And it was really, really good for a while. And then this thing happened. They call it a famine in the Bible, but it's the modern-day equivalent of a, um, 
um, depression. That's the word I'm looking for. Depression. It, so it left him with literally no money, no nothing. This high that he had experienced completely crashed down at his feet. Basically what happened is once he lost everything, all he could do was go work at a pig farm. And he couldn't even eat the food that the pigs were eating. To put this into perspective, pigs to the Jews are the equivalent of rats to us. Like they are filthy. They are nasty. They carry diseases. They weren't like allowed to eat them. They weren't allowed to touch them. Like straight garbage of an animal. And he couldn't even eat their food. Like that's like us being so poor and so starving that we can't even eat rat food. Like y'all, that, that is rock bottom. And you know, this all happened because he went to his dad and said, you know, I know you have a plan for me and I know that you saved this money for later for my benefit, but I need it now because I think if I use it now, it'll be better for me. So let's, let's leave the younger brother there for a second and talk about the older brother. Y'all, I am the older brother (laughs) in every sense of the idea. So the older brother stayed home while his brother, younger brother, went out and partied and partied hard. And he worked and worked and worked and worked and was being perfect for his father and was working hard and taking care of the farm. And long story short, the younger brother comes back humbled and in repentance and his father welcomes him with open arms. And the older brother you know, he sees this and he's like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) I've been working here this whole time and I've never been welcomed with open arms. You know, the dad throws a party for the younger brother, like huge party. And this is what the older brother says in Luke 15, 29. He looks at his dad and he says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Y'all, basically what he's telling his dad was, am I not good enough? Did I not work hard enough to earn your love? Did I not, I worked so hard for perfection. Is that not good enough for you? What did I not do to get a party? Like I'm deserving of a party. Why haven't I gotten it? And y'all, that's what I did. I tried to build myself up in perfection so that God would look down on me and say, You did a good job. But y'all, God doesn't do that. I don't know if y'all have picked up on that yet. Um, So all these stories. I know I told you a lot of stories. I hope y'all like stories. (laughs) I like stories if you can't tell. But why tell you all of these things? And there's one reason. Because there's one factor that connects them all. It connects Nemo and myself and both the brothers And it's a word called pride. And it's on the tower over there. And I had the privilege of painting it on there because y'all pride. Mm. The beautiful and horrible thing about pride is that every single person in here deals with it to some extent. And if you say you don't, you're lying. (laughs) And you know, we experience pride when we try to take aspects of our lives and change them to fit our liking. Right, Emily told us we were made in perfection. We were made with certain things about us. But since the fall, since we are sinners, we take those things and try to morph them and change them to fit our version of perfection, which is so twisted and wrong. Y'all, we take our tower, 
the one that was perfect and symmetrical and had all good things in it. And we pull blocks out and we replace blocks and we put things in there like pride and anxiety and anger. And we take out humility and love because we think that is better than what God has. I don't know if y'all know this, but God is never wrong, ever. Literally never wrong. He is all-knowing and all-powerful and everywhere at once. And we think that we can take aspects of our lives and change them to be better than what God had intended. Like, y'all, that doesn't work ever. So the real question is, who are you? Right? You're either the younger brother, the older brother, or both. And my bet is, is a lot of us are both. Um, are you like the older brother who tried to work his way back into getting love and trying to build himself up with success and perfection and self-glory? Y'all, that's where I am. Self-glory, that was my goal (laughs) for the longest time. Or are you like the younger brother, right? Instead of trying to build up your tower, you say, I don't even need that tower. I'm going to build my own tower. And it's going to be filled with drinking and partying and sex and drugs because God, I don't know if you know this, but that stuff feels good. Like maybe you don't understand this, but like when I get drunk, that's great for me. But y'all, nothing we ever create outside of God is good ever. Literally never. (laughs) I want y'all to hear that, that nothing we create outside of God is good because we have to create it through the one who is good. So what does your tower look like? What pieces have you replaced? What pieces have you taken out? Maybe what pieces have you left in there? But y'all, our towers are always like that. (laughs) We are never that perfect square that we like to think that is. Y'all, and we never will be until we go back to God. So I'm gonna invite the band back out um, really quickly. But y'all, this talk that I'm giving, it isn't a happy one. You should not leave here feeling good about yourself. And if you do, then that's on me. I did not communicate something clearly if y'all leave feeling good about yourself. Y'all, in Romans 3.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. For the price of sin is death. For the cost of us building that is death. And I don't know if y'all have ever seen a dead person or have someone pass away in your family, but dead people don't do much. And no one is more dead than another person, y'all. Death, you are literally rock bottom, stone cold, unable to do anything. But that's, that's where God comes in. And you're gonna hear more about that. But y'all, if y'all get anything out of this, I want you to remember this one thing. That y'all, when we take what God has intended to be good and what he has made for a purpose and we warp it to fit our own ideas and our goals. Y'all, it leads to collapse. (laughs) There's that word, the theme collapse. It will always lead to collapse.